0: Folks, take it from
1: me,
0: NBA legend Bill Walden. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D-Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D-Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren here we go.
1: Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, it was another full plate of drama in the NBA last week as we had powerhouses collide twice. We had LeBron enter the health and safety protocols only to then make a couple of phone calls. I mean, produce a couple of negative COVID tests within 48 hours, (laughs) and he was available to play the next game. The uh, big story, though, of course, was the Warriors and Suns had a showdown, not once, but twice last week. Uh, Earlier in the week, the Suns hosted the Warriors and took over first place in the conference with a dominant performance as they shut down Curry. And Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden had their way with the Warriors D. What we learned from this game is that the Suns exposed all the Warriors flaws and there was a new top team in the West. Then about 72 hours later, we learned (laughs) that the home court advantage can help a lot. Sometimes Curry can just have an off game. And the Warriors were once again believed to be the top team in the Western Conference. So the takeaway, guys, I think, is that uh, you don't want to make too much of one game. Winning home court advantage might be a difference maker. And it's too early to know which team is better. But uh, it
0: was quite a battle of powerhouses. You guys enjoy that? (laughs) Well, I... I will say I will just first and foremost I want to thank thank you to LeBron James for getting the covid scare because it resulted in the Lakers game getting moved off of national television and the second Golden State game got moved into primetime on ESPN. So, we had that going for us in the uh, covid scare for LeBron. Yeah, seriously. Co-
2: LeBron James can move games, he can get Michelle Beadle fired, he can like do anything he wants. He like he controls the league. He controls the league. Everybody He is the
1: most powerful man in basketball. No doubt. Ask Danny Green. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, Memphis Grizzlies beat the Oklahoma city thunder by 73 (laughs) points on Thursday night, the largest margin of victory in the history of the NBA. Since the thunder stole the Seattle supersonics history, when they stole the team, Sonics fans are overjoyed that the thunder now own this mark of shame. Guys, is that true? (laughs) Huzzah! Huzzah! There is reaping and there is sowing. (laughs) The Miami Heat can pop the champagne bottle as they had lost by 68 points to the Cleveland Cavaliers in 1991. little known fact for you.
2: Man. So, yeah, they've been carrying that. Almost an expansion, fan. That was like year three or something so. yeah i think what 89 maybe yeah i guess this is year three of the thunder rebuild i guess but yeah
1: that's <laughs> oof. but i mean really isn't it just mean to beat a team by over 50 like i do it in rec league
0: a lot it's actually pretty fun
1: <laughs> i mean i understand <laughs> like you take your starters out but it, at some point don't you say guys hey we're up by 60 let's uh, let's ease up a little,
0: or. Nope. No, I think th- th- there's a range, Derek, where what you're saying makes sense, right? So if you're up 30, you kind of take your foot off the gas. But when you get up 50, when you get up 60, then it, there's a certain point where you kind of go, well, let's see how much we can win by because, you know, we're in kind of hallowed ground. Yeah, why not go for the record? So
1: and, I won't say the they're guy- too many because come on, Thunder, 73 points. You guys can, <laughs> well, can do better and,
2: than well, that. And the, seriously, and the, but also the guys that are in at the end of the game, they're trying to earn their way. I mean, there's no... They're on the chopping block at any That's time. That's true. So any time they have to do anything, I mean, unless it's just one of those, let's let's clear the bench with 30 seconds left, and you just hold the ball and take the turnover and hand the, or, or pass it off to your friend to take the turnover before the buzzer <laughs> sounds, then you're going at it, man. That's your chance. You're going to go. <laughs> you're trying to go at it as hard as you can to the other team and hard enough where not one of your guys get mad at you afterwards for shooting too much. But other than that, you're just going hard because – yeah, you're playing That's for your, your livelihood. Chance, chance to flash, dude. It is. It is a good. I mean, those guys are like. I mean, if you're the 11th or 12th man, or I guess it's 15 now with the G League and all the two way stuff. But if you're like in that position, you know, this isn't you know, you know Robert Pack and Lamont Struthers in 1992. <laughs> you know, this is this is like, this is this is your life. I mean, I guess Lamont Struthers might disagree with that since he didn't. I'm sorry. Correction. It was Lamont sorry, Struthers Dan- and Danny, Danny Young. Young. Yes. Robert Pack Robert already Pack was on his way to Denver. I'm Denver. <laughs> Danny Young.
1: Oh. Okay. Well, we're on the topic. Ding dong. The GM is gone is the tune. The Rip City fan base is singing after Neil OlShea was relieved as his duties as the Blazers general manager. Our long city nightmare is over as following an investigation that lasted for longer than anybody wanted, a determination was made that Olshay was in violation of the team's code of conduct. Uh, To be fair, in assessing Olshay's tenure, he did draft Lillard and McCollum, traded for Nurkic, and then made about 30 other moves that failed to provide these players with any support. (laughs) But to the kids at home who have aspirations of being a GM in the NBA one day, just know that if you want longevity in this league, you can alienate a fan base, blame everything on the coach you just fired, avoid accountability, mismanage your cap, (laughs) miss countless opportunities to improve your team, leave your star player frustrated and without support. But if you do all that and then throw on top of that being mean to people and thereby creating a hostile work environment, you will be fired. (laughs)
0: But you're gonna say, kids at home, if you want to be a GM, make sure you start on Days of Our Lives. Yeah, yeah there is a route. He has showed there is a route to be a soap opera star. I, thought- I was fully I was fully waiting for the report when they said he was in violation of team rules or you know, he whatever that the the allegations that had been substantiated were and then I was—I thought someone was going to follow on and say, he also gave Evan Turner a four-year, $70 million contract. <laughs> a contract so bad that at the conclusion of said contract, that player retired. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that worse you... than the Alan Crabb deal?
1: Uh, was it Crabb and I like... mean,
0: they're both out of the league. I mean, anytime you could pay somebody $140 million bucks collectively that at the conclusion of those contracts, neither player is still in the, in no, the no, league. No.
2: Did Alan crab was thinking ahead, man. We saw the night he signed that deal. He was eating an N and out burger. He was on a budget. He probably invested in Bitcoin around the same time. That guy probably <laughs> owns an island in the Caribbean somewhere. He doesn't even, like, he went to Cal. He doesn't even like basketball. He's just wants to like, he wants to relax. He's got millions upon millions there in Cayman islands accounts. Like Alan did it. Right. He's not coaching. He's not trying to get on the assistant coach. Evan Turner, he might have spent some of that cash. He's got to get get that uh, get that paycheck from the league going forward, man. Not just his uh, his um, post retirement earnings. I thought you were gonna say though, D. I thought you were also gonna to add to the list of um, grievances, failures, or grievances was. Um, to conducting the least thorough investigation of a coaching candidate in, in recent history. So uh, he, he had a lot of stuff that didn't, uh, didn't push it over the edge. That was pretty uh, bad. I mean, yeah,
0: his, his response to the allegations in the press conference was what the same move I use on my two-year-old, which is trust me. Yeah. I mean, that was literally his answer when, when I when asked if he <laughs> investigated Bill's background, I think he might've been surprised.
2: Yeah, I mean things have changed and I think in a good in a good way that those issues are brought up in a much more, you know, direct way than anything. I mean, you think back to like some of the stuff with Jason Kidd and you know, his then wife and just how stuff was kind of just sort of moved forward. And so I think that's been a really positive thing. And probably O'Shea, to your point, Michael, didn't sort of catch up with that, didn't see that being an issue. But it was really a difficult situation. Both the history of that and sort of his response, I think was both the trust me, but also like, I think something like, like our investigation techniques are proprietary. I cannot share those with you outside of a non-disclosure agreement.
0: It's
1: like,
2: it's like, okay. He,
0: he actually got him from a very trusted source. I think NCIS. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's about time. I think it's, I mean, what he did and alleged to do it with, they found is is awful stuff and I, and I do think it is really hard when someone's an influence and power you know when they treat people certain ways like it's hard to have accountability and I think especially with Olshay the way he you know sort of implanted himself in the organization where he ran the basketball side he had full supportive ownership to do what he wanted to do there wasn't really any any accountability for him and um that leads to where, you, where you're at, but again, the process worked here. They had the investigation. When you investigate someone who works for you, you know those investigations may take longer than you like, but they usually come to a conclusion, and oftentimes that leads to the departure of the employee. If it's an owner investigating themselves, it's a little different story. We we covered that a few pods ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Jody Allen's done an investigation of herself. Um, she probably should have, but. Um... <laughs>
0: I mean, it is owner malpractice to let this go as far as it did. I mean, the fact that he was able to run the summer operations the way he did. I mean, all of the you know, discontent from Lillard to some of the free agent selections he was making. I mean, I just, I don't, you know, again, it's just, it's a failing grade on the whole. and, And I'm curious where this franchise goes from here. I mean, it's just in disarray. I don't think Billups isn't necessarily doing a bad job. But he certainly is not helping the situation. I mean he's not necessarily pulling the roster together in cohesive ways. And so I'm curious where what the next step is. I mean, there's you know, it does it become more and more evident that, that Lillard is all all but gone, especially for a guy who, you know, is thirty one at this point and, and has had some nagging injuries here over the last six months what what is the future of the blazers i mean d what do you want to see next here is it is it continue to kind of run it back or is there is there is it a blow it up time well i've heard rumors that uh
1: ryanini is a candidate as for a gm for oh Blazers.
2: i can either um, confirm so. or deny those, uh, <laughs> no comment
1: that would be my first suggestion is is, is get ryan in there no it's the three
2: are we're a we're a uh a, a package of three it's like yeah. all these uh College football teams that have the co defensive coordinators just so they can give someone more money and a bigger title. I think we should be co GMs, a tripart, a triangle. <laughs> you know? The three. You know, we could be the Peter, James, and John of the Blazers. That would be great, man. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> who's oh, Peter? Just- <laughs> who's Peter? Which one will use Peter, brother? Which one which one's Peter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean uh, it's a hit for like three people in our audience. <laughs> To your question michael i mean it, it, i think the the feeling here is we're we're stuck and uh and what we're doing is not working and we need a, a pretty radical change so um i think uh, i mean it's not i don't know i am curious how how lillard feels about uh Shea being gone i don't know if this is a uh, a plus or minus i assume it's it's a plus but um I think we, I think we got to clean house. I think we got to make the Ben Simmons deal. We got to make that happen. Uh, We, we need uh, someone with some defensive prowess. So that would be my first thing uh, as a GM is to let's, let's get Simmons.
2: Is that the is that is that Lillard for Simmons or McCollum for Simmons? It's not Lillard for Simmons. So it's McCollum and all the picks for Simmons, I think is the last we heard from Daryl Morgan. We're not doing the picks. The trade value has gone He's low. Like, Diaz Dennis Smith Jr. is pretty I, attractive. I knew old days. I knew O'Shea was out. My chance my opportunity has come. Uh yeah, I mean if they could get Ben Simmons for McCollum. I guess I mean that must not have been available. Because that seems like a pretty pretty obvious move, right? I mean, I, I just don't I think part of the problem with O'Shea is he he hit on Lillard, he hit on McCollum and those were his McCollum was his guy. Like he was he was never gonna sort of trade his guy because then it's like, well, what have you done for me lately? I guess. I, mean, I forgot McCollum was drafted the year after Lillard. They've been there forever. Mm, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like Well, and Lillard was barely even even an all pick, right? I mean that they got he got hired about a month before the draft. Is that but Myers yeah. Leonard was an all shape
1: pick. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach wow. Collins was an all shape pick. Wow. The, Oof. Ouch. I wouldn't say poor man's version. The player with a little more offensive fi- uh, finesse than Myers, Leonard, Leonard is Zach Collins, <laughs> but uh, that's not saying much.
0: And much
2: worse ankles. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, but I guess that if I guess McCollum for Simmons is on the table, then I think I mean that that's, that seems to make sense, right? I mean, what it must be that Morey wants a lot more than McCollum for Simmons, which. Maybe made some sense in the summer, but can't make as much sense now, right? I mean, is yeah, this gonna it's, is it's this gonna matter, kind of
1: is Maury just so uh, intransigent, uh, so stubborn that he will not, uh, you know, lower his standards for the return value? But uh, maybe now is the time to strike.
0: Yeah, I just I don't know what would change on the Philadelphia front. I mean, there's obviously it's been so discussed. You, you imagine at some point it's going to resolve itself, but. I mean Philadelphia has just has been a mash unit and there's still two games over 500. I don't know if there's something necessarily that's necessitating an urgent move when everything from the franchise has been we're going to stick it to the man in this process.
1: Just looking at their roster, I mean like Tyrese Maxey's done a really nice job. I'm not saying he's like as as good as Simmons or anything and may or may not be their point guard of the future, but he can hold down the fort for a while. I think CJ would be a nice nice little fit there for
0: them. And the answer is getting trading CJ for Maxi and Thibault, really. Who needs Ben Simmons when we when we can get Maxi and Thibault?
2: <laughs> well, a big part of this and I think like it's been covered and discussed like on Blazers Edge is, you know, is the interim GM Joe Cronin going to have the is he going to have the um authority to go make a move like that that Olshay would not make or are they going to have to wait till they get a um you know a permanent GM in place there's a couple there's a lot of different things going on there I mean you know one thing that was point I think Michael you were alluding to is that you know the interim GM I think between Cho and Olshay was the one really driving towards Lillard being the pick you know I think and then Olshay came in at the end and Guess kind of gave it the. Wasn't it Buchanan? Is that who? it yeah, was? Yeah, Chad Buchanan. Yeah, and that that's and, the, and so there's that piece. It's like so. I guess the, at least Paul Allen allowed that happen. So maybe maybe there can be some movement there. Um, but then would you want Joe Cronin to be the one going into a, like a phone call with Daryl Morey trying to negotiate <laughs> like a like the most important deal of like the recent history of the Blazers? I don't know. I mean, it's really cool that the guy started as an intern and now he's the acting GM. Um, but I don't... I got. I mean, I haven't... You know, I'm not... I don't follow the Blazers as deeply as you do, D, or obviously, like, all the folks in Portland. But I was surprised that Olshay didn't have a deeper bench of, you know, sort of assistant GMs or other folks there that could sort of more naturally step in as an interim GM. I mean, talking about... Chad Buchanan like it was more typical situation like Cho had Buchanan and some other guys like that were kind of next next uh, like kind of deputy types and I don't think Cronin was Olshay's deputy I don't think anyone would want to have been his deputy based on his behavior Um, so but I, I just what I had known of Cronin before and maybe it's not up to date was that he was more on the salary cap side so again like someone jumping from that side into the interim chair is a little bit it's a little bit unique, but the NBA is all about relationship building. It's all about earning the trust, um, managing up, earning the trust and support of ownership and of other senior people within the organization. So, um, and you don't really know till you know, you don't, we'll see, like hopefully it may be great if he gets the authority and he can make a deal, like get McCallum out and get Simmons, get someone good, kind of restart things. um, I heard someone else – I read someone else on Twitter that means people are just throwing things out but also suggesting, um, you know, if you could – could you get McCollum-Simmons and, and then also maybe trade Nurkic for Christian Wood, maybe some picks for Christian Wood or something and just kind of – I think that's probably – probably was a Blazers fan. Probably was uh, Joe Cronin, uh, his burner account. But, you know, it's just – is there some things you could do to shake things up. And I think the fact that Lillard is on edge – Um, you know, with the team and where he's at, it's like either you have to make a decision right now of swing for the fences, you know, shoot for the stars, hit the moon sort of situation, or like Lillard's going out, and you're just gonna have to restart everything. And that's the hard part is you're asking Joe Cronin to like guide that decision because Billups is brand new. Like it's not like it's not like a situation where Stotts is still there and Stotts can kind of come in into that vacuum and that can really screw you because i mean brett brown was kind of the gm for a little while for the Sixers years ago and that's not in well some of the decisions they made kind of back and forth up and down <laughs> jimmy butler and everything was sort of a mess well it
0: somehow it got worse with elton brand so yeah but so you just never know
2: good. yeah you never know but yeah i think that's the decision is like you got to make some moves like to try and keep Lillard around, see what you can do, have some fun, see what happens, roll the dice, or, you know, time to see what Lillard can get. The problem is, is Lillard, with his struggling struggles this year and his injury, it's like not the best time. Yeah, that's true. To, to get like a king's ransom for him. Um, I mean, so presumably Philadelphia would be willing to, I think, to do more stuff. I mean, again, Mori thinks Simmons is like. <laughs> The fourth best player in the league, or something, <laughs> you know. Embiid's one, two, and three. I don't know, but it's <laughs> who knows what he's going to do. I don't know, D. Where, where, where do you? You've talked a little bit about it. Where do you stand on this? Do you think? It seems like you're saying like trade McCollum for Simmons, in some form, make some other moves, try and give Lillard kind of the supporting cast he's needed, and see what happens.
1: No, I think we've got uh, a vision of a great big three. We got Lillard, Simmons, and Christian Wood. I'm, I, I like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can work
2: with that yeah two swaps and two picks uh, <laughs> yeah i mean
0: well and if it if it uh if it hurts the rockets i mean all the better right they're coming up on our tail in the uh, playing tournament so winner of a winner of six in a row yeah the tanky
2: Rockets. man
1: That's impressive
2: they
0: might actually want to trade Christian Wood just so they get worse again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All they have to do is start is grant John Wallace's wish to play more, and that'll take care of it. So. <laughs> maybe we'll bring Wiseman in. We they'll trade for Wiseman. <laughs> oh,
1: you know who else is on a little win streak? The San Antonio Spurs. They've won uh, four in a row going into tonight. Uh, they, oh, they did lose tonight to the, the Suns, but uh, maybe they're going to make a little run at the bubble too. It's, it's wide open. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is funny when like two th- the funny thing about the bubble is you talk yourself into that it's a playoff appearance and really it's two thirds of the league making like some form of the playoffs so right it's, uh, it's a pretty low bar <laughs> at this point
2: but it is so great what I mean, we've talked about it. it's so great that instead of just talking about like 8 9 10 we're talking about 10 11 12 you know it's like Spurs get back in at only eight and fourteen, but they're frisky, Because you know? <laughs> it's true. I mean, the Rockets. You know, like you said, run six in a row, getting ahead, and um, yeah. I mean, I lo- the is great. It's awesome. The, this will be the, the biggest
1: test of Greg Popovich's coaching career. Can <laughs> he g- guide this team uh, to what would you call him, frisky or? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Did you see? Did you see how mad Popovich guy? I saw the clip on. He started like Curry. I like think in the game with the Warriors, week, he Curry like at the buzzer, like banked in. Maybe that was t- he made some like crazy deep three, like and Popovich was so mad, he just started cursing his players out and walk storming off. You are like. Why are you doing that to yourself? Like, Steph is one of the greatest 3 point He's the greatest shooter of all time. Like, that's going to happen. And he was just, like, stomping and yelling. And he's, like, grown his hair out. You just kind of <laughs> wonder. Like, I said, oh, okay. He's such a brilliant... He's, a- he's, like, an intellectual. He's a very smart dude. Like, Air Force, intelligence. Like, he's probably one of the only, like... Like, Phil Jackson, like, to pretend he was intellectual. Popovich actually is an intellectual. He is, like, a smart dude. But I don't know, man. I mean, who's there to tell him like maybe you've lost your fastball, Pop? <laughs> because if you're if you're losing I I get, your temper over that, like, come on, man, just relax a little bit.
0: But <laughs> well, I just wonder if he's going to start pulling like weird things just to see if they work in games. I mean, did you see Belichick tonight? They yeah, won fourteen ten, and awesome. Mac Jones passed like, three, three pa- times. Yeah, he had three passing attempts. Like at some point, Belichick and I feel like Popovich is a bit of his doppelganger in the NBA. Is like. These guys have coached so much, and they have such a beat on everything. And especially when they're not necessarily at full strength in the ways maybe they'd prefer, you wonder if at some point he's just going to devolve into, you know, he'll do the Vivek idea and play like four on five or something. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all buffooned uh, uh, Vivek for that idea, and then if Popovich does it, there's going to be a think piece on five thirty eight about how it's most so efficient.
2: <laughs> J- pop just start pressing press 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 no one's ever done it Gladwell was right
1: I think that winning the the gold medal was kind of the the pinnacle for him I mean that was like the last accomplishment I think that may have been like a good time to walk away but it's like we've always talked about He, he is one of those lifers he's already said before like what would I do when I'm retired like go someplace and like read a book during the day and I'm like I think that's a great idea, but uh, well, know, I hope it, I will
0: say I hope it's his pinnacle because he's not winning anything else. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> he's hey. frisky. They're frisky. The Spurs are frisky. Deontay Murray,
0: maybe, you know, candidate for unless, most improved unless player. Let's start giving out medals for the playing game.
2: Baby boy. <laughs>
0: Derek White. No, well, it's decent. Yeah, Deontay's fun. I mean, there's it is the, the, there's this mix now i mean we've talked about this a number of times over the last several weeks but there's there seems to be some separation happening here and you have this sort of bottom five or six around the plane in, in the in the uh, in the western conference and i mean there's a few of the teams where you kind of go you know at what point do we need to start being worried i mean the denver nuggets you know in some ways are fighting a war of attrition right now and, I, and as I know, as close to your heart, Derek, you know, Nikola Jokic can only do so much and, and has had some challenges staying on the court recently. I mean, are we concerned about any of these teams that we had previously higher expectations for?
1: Well, if you look at the at the West, we've got the two top, the two powerhouses. Utah is doing really well. Third, not surprising. We kind of expect them to, to be what they are right now. And then maybe a little above mediocre, you got Memphis, and then the Clippers are 500, and then the rest, it, it really falls <laughs> off a cliff right there. So, but I mean, to, to lose, I mean, lose Murray, and now, I mean, we don't know what's going on with Porter. I mean, he might need surgery on the back, right? So, uh, I mean, that is... Uh, they're asking a little too much of
0: Will Barton
2: right now. He he can only do
0: so much. Will, Will Barton disagrees with that assessment.
2: <laughs> well, no, but he he we talked about Connolly gave twenty. He has twenty five million bucks in Barton and Morris. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like I mean, even with losing those two big dogs, it's like if you're twenty five million bucks and you know of cap space spent on a player or players, they have to be good. Like they can't at least be a good <laughs> role player. I don't know. It's... It, like, I mean, Jokic's been hurt. There's a lot of issues going on. And, like you said, they've had the two guys go out, but I don't know. It's just, I mean, yeah, they've had a ton of injuries. I mean, it's rough, but I just don't understand, like, your point. Like, they're asking so much of Will Barton, but that was sort of the plan all along. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't with Murray's injury. I mean, Porter helped with that, but it was not like Porter has the ball in his hands all the time. And they were always, you know, relying on those guys, I think, a little too much, but yeah I mean it, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how this shakes out you know like in the east you have the wizards dropping off pretty quickly um coming back to earth a little bit and not necessarily playing with the same pizzazz they were they were showing early on um I mean I am worried about the Lakers the Lakers are <laughs> not blasting off <laughs> LeBron's back I'm not sure um You know, Ryan, I I am thinking about this now.
1: Um, If we all are going to get a GM role collectively, they might look at the fact that Michael picked Golden State. I picked Phoenix. You picked the Lakers. I don't know. There might be something. Oh,
2: man. So it's only co-GMs. Is that
0: what you're saying? (laughs) Ryan really took seriously respecting his elders because those guys are actually, I
2: think, all still older than him. I'll be be the special advisor. I'll be uh, (laughs) – Yeah, I'll just be we'll off the i find a role
1: for you. That's that's the important thing.
2: That's right. We're friends. That's all that really counts. If we're friends, <laughs> yes. then we're then I'll we'll be in too. I going back to Utah though, I I you know, friend of the pod, Jonathan Sharks, you know. You know, prayers are with you, man. All the stuff you've been going through. Uh, but writing some great stuff again for the ringer. Uh he had a really interesting piece. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on Mitchell in Utah and his argument I don't know if you saw the piece, it's really good. It's from earlier this week or I think the end of last week. It, his argument is that Mitchell needs to play point guard. And like he's not gonna get he's not gonna get any better playing off the ball with a point guard in like their primary lineup. So it was Rubio, now it's Conley. He's playing off the ball when he's when those guys are out, especially even go bears out. He just goes crazy. Um, so I was just curious to hear your thoughts. I've been actually down on Mitchell kind of the way he plays, but charts made a really good argument felt like for like doubling down on him. And the fact that um, he's not a great shooter, but he shoots a lot of threes Um a lot of difficult shots, and if he had the ball in his hands more and was more ball dominant, because he's relatively low ball dominant for how much of a scorer he is, he plays more off the pick. He gets the second pass for the pick and roll than attacks, and he's shooting like some pull ups because they do that a lot in their um, spot ups in their offense. But I just thought it was an interesting argument that he should Mitchell should get the ball more. He should be the point guard. That's the next step for them as a team. It's a little, a little bit of a problem because they just doubled down on Mike Conley, a point guard next to him. So I don't know if <laughs> that was read by the Jazz front office with any, you know, Dwayne Wade shaking his head about that. But um, I just curious to get your thoughts about that. I, it was counterintuitive to me, but the the argument and seeing the numbers and kind of. Like what their best approach is to be a, a, a postseason team that actually can win some more more than one series, it, it did resonate with me. But curious to hear your guys' thoughts at first blush.
0: Well, I think my my first thought is is he feels like he plays that way in the playoffs, and you kind of wonder, you know, in some ways playing these guys off ball or right not playing Anthony Davis at center, right? Some of these other you know, not playing Giannis at center lineups as much. You know, playing some of these schematic choices that minimize the the pressure on these elite players, that then sets them up for the opportunity to be, you know, the best versions of themselves in the playoffs has been really successful. I mean, if you remember that Jazz Nuggets series a couple of years ago, the ones the the one the three one series they blew, right? I mean, Mitchell had multiple, you know, kind of explosions kind of going mano a mano with Murray in that in that series. Similarly, I think last year. You know, he even on a bad on a bad leg, he he was he was ridiculous in that Clippers series. I mean, he was offensively. I mean, it was a bit of a turnstile, I think, defensively. But on the offensive end of the, of, he was shooting the rock, you know, all over the place in a really kind of a, assertive fashion. So, I mean, was there any mention of of what they're sort of doing in the playoffs anyway, or is it? Well, is I think it he pointed. Of a it's, of, it's
2: a great point. I think he, you know, I, th- I think he pointed out that Conley was hurt through, you know, parts of the playoffs and that that allowed them allowed him to kind of have the ball and kind of be basically the argument is like he with some shooters and a role guy can just be a dominant offense by himself. But if you're playing him off the ball next to someone, it just reduces his opportunities to do that. And it it, it was connected to the new rules and his free throw attempts have gone down. Like like Harden and other guys who are really good at like the pull throughs and kind of drawing those fouls, um, but because Mitchell's so athletic, the argument was like he could get if he has the ball in his hand, the more he can get more attacking, you know, shots down near the basket, um, and can do that. So I just thought it was interesting because I it's counterintuitive to me again because I haven't seen he he doesn't, you know, sort of like a Westbrookian point guard in a way. But um, but D, any any thoughts that you have?
1: Yeah. that's a good point. I'm all for uh, letting Mitchell cook. Um, I think something is for uh, getting the ball in the best hands of your player. uh, Most of the time, I think, uh, I mean, sharks, I was uh, saying this about Paul George, about how, you know, since with, with quiet out, Paul George being the man, it it just, it allows you, it kind of accentuates everything you, you bring to the table. Um, So I don't know if it's, it's kind of a similar concept. I think Mitchell just, if he could develop a little bit more um, discipline or self-control to his game and just improve his shot selection a little bit. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, part of it is just, he's, he's taking bad shots and he's forcing things. So I think yep. you want him to force the action and if, but if forcing the action can have the, the impact of creating more opportunities for other guys, I'm all for it. And I, and I do, I believe in Mitchell. I, I remember when he did that interview, uh, with the, the TNT guys after a game, and Shaq made some comment like people are saying, you know that you know you're you don't have what it takes to take a team to the next level. And he's like, <laughs> Okay, all right. Like, I've, been, I've been hearing that my whole life. Like, you know, so I, I don't buy the narrative that like he's not a guy that you can win big with. but Obviously, you got to have the right supporting talent, but um, I think Mitchell can can be the man. I'm all for uh, yeah, like I said, let him cook.
2: Yeah, I, I love the Paul George comparison, D, because it is. It's like when you. It, there is something that fits in the NBA when you have, like, your key guys, the ball in his hands a lot, and everyone else sort of knows to play off of him. And it just kind of, like, simplifies things. Where when you have two attackers, it seems like it should work even better. Um, but I think Chark's. But it doesn't sometimes. And you even saw it with Wade and LeBron. Um, Chark's pointed out, like, you know, Brown and Tatum in Boston. Um um, I guess that was a different piece he wrote, but just that like when you have wings that um you know, sort of have to take turns or guards to take turns, it it kind of like reduces some of the flow. Um it also struck me that I think Quinn Snyder may have a little cur in him too where it's like the system, like there's a system we're running and um I also think it's hard for coaches. This may be some of the issues like Kerr has had kind of, kind of being able to take a step back and see what Steph really is, is that, you know, they had these players at points in their career that are very different than like how they play now. So Mitchell was like a flyer, um, late lottery flyer. He was a great athlete. He played baseball most time growing up. He was sort of late to basketball, Incredibly athletic, played really well for Louisville, but wasn't like, oh, this guy is gonna be like what he became. immediately, and then has grown from there. He's an incredible athlete. So I think it's a little hard for Snyder to kind of see him as what he's become because all they've they've invested so much in him and helped him grow so much. Um, and I feel a little bit like Kerr with Curry. It's a different dynamic, but you know when Kerr came in, you know I saw like I saw the last playoff series when they lost the Clippers, like. With Mark Jackson Like they, n- No one saw that And was like They're the favorites Next year Like no one saw that And Curry Had, had been struggling With his health Off and on And I just think We like, thought it when, was
1: a good idea To trade Clay Thompson For Kevin Love At the time You know <laughs> d, we
2: <laughs> d-, disagreed. d We weren't recording The podcast back oh, then So uh, We don't have to <laughs> don't have to Put that out there I'm, I'm never going to get The GM job now D Thanks Sorry. a lot My apologies um, so, yeah, I think it's hard for these guys to change. I think it's hard because they, 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 like, want to rely on their system. And so it's a little bit like what where Steph plays off the ball so much in um, Golden State, even though he's a much different player than Mitchell. I just think there's something, like, you've kind of bought into, like, what you're doing. And it would be a huge change because they – not only Conley Ingles, excuse me, provides a lot of value, like, playing on the ball and distributing. And it's just kind of – It would really change their team, but it definitely resonated that sort of the way it's a path forward for them to kind of, you know, if it doesn't work this year, it seems like doing it the same way. It seems like that's the move then in the offseason is to double down on Mitchell, um, deal with Gobert's weaknesses and try and get, you know, more guys around Mitchell but the problem is is like you can't get that much for Clarkson and Ingles and those guys cuz they're spe- they're like very specific to what the Jazz do. So they're in a tough spot, but they're playing great. They have a high point differential again and you know, they'll be there they'll be a the top half seed and see what happens. Did you
0: guys realize that Mitchell has averaged 36 and 32 points a game in the last two playoffs? Wow. It's like it's 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 crazy productive. I mean just how Again, I think to that point. I mean, you just wonder. Again, I mean, and Conley was hurt in periods of those times, so it does it does it. There's an explaining factor there, but it's you know, I'm curious to see again how he continues to evolve. I mean, he's the type of guy you said earlier, kind of late to hoops. You wonder how much his game continues to evolve, maybe in in ways that are different than a Jason Tatum type of player, right? Who's been groomed since he was 13 you know, to be a certain – a very specific type of player, right? Whereas Mitchell just is sort of still coming into himself, right? Where you, you saw him even in the playoffs last year where you kind of go, oh, he's figuring it out yeah. more so now than he ever has before, right? I mean, there, there may be a case to be made that, you know, he needs to be more ball, ball dominant now and two or three years ago he wasn't going to be there. He couldn't have done it. I mean, I think that's – I think the Paul George comparison actually is great to me on another level is one of the things with PG – that I I felt like I was long critical of is for him to be a lead dog on a on a, a good team. You know he was never a good enough ball handler. Yeah, and that's it's loose same, loose with the ball. That's yeah. the same thing with Mitchell when yep. he came in. It's a good it was, point. You know he could always bounce and kind of straight line drive and then get get his jumpers up. But you know in terms of really being dynamic with the rock, you know that was not neither of their specialties. And those guys have both come a long way in terms of you go oh wow you're. You really don't look... (laughs) You don't look loose with the ball anymore, right? And all of a sudden, all these different pieces of their game opens up because they can really get through traffic and initiate, you know, drives and actions that they,
2: they couldn't get to previously. What I really like, again, that added comparison of the two and D's kicking it off because you also think about they're both like amazing athletes. Like they're both just incredibly special. I mean, Paul George come back from that leg injury and still be a plus athlete is incredible. And he's so big and so skilled. Um, it's incredible. And Mitchell, he won the dunk contest like 4 years ago. I mean, he he is like he's an incredible athlete. And so um it it does seem like to Michael's point if he continues to develop his handle and you know can can have more, you know, ball dominance um and, and limit his dis- bad decisions and bad shots these earlier point. I mean, it just is, I I was very skeptical of him last year. I mean, I think unlike he, you noted about your view of him. Like, I just, it seemed like to me last year, he, he the more shots he took, it, it hurt them. Like it was, it's, it's always like chicken and the egg because he probably was shooting more in games when they were struggling and he had to create stuff because, you know, Joe Ingles isn't going to create shots for himself or anything. So he was doing that. I'm sure <laughs> he was doing that, but it was like you would see his 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 game and he'd be like nine for twenty six, and you're like maybe just keep it under 20, you know, that's kind of what Tatum's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. no, exactly. It's like taking incredibly hard shots and you're just like, put your head down and go to the basket, man. Like just go to the rim. (laughs) And it's, and I think that's a broader issue. Like to your point with Tatum too, it's, it's the guy, they don't want to go to the rim. They, they, there's this, I think there's such a pounding. It takes 82 games, like the best athletes in the world. But it, it does seem like the answer to a lot of problems individual guys have that are really good but maybe not the most efficient or as good as they could be is just get into the rim, man. Just like find ways to get to the bucket and don't settle. Like don't settle for jumpers. It's we've talked about it before, but you know, I was, you know, when I play hoops, man, I get I'm lazy. I like to shoot. I'll shoot a jumper if you give me some space. Why would I want to drive the hole and get banged on and miss the shot and Kind of go back and forth. It's like I'll just take the easy pull up. I like the easy two, and that's the. It's the same in all of basketball. It's like as you get older, you're like I'll just settle for this jumper. It's it's the Westbrook problem. Is that he just shoots those pull ups all the time? And it's like if he just went to the rim and never shot a jump shot, he probably would be a much more efficient offensive player. I think the model
1: here, if we're going to talk comparisons, might be his new mentor in Utah, and Dwayne Wade, because Wade was was one of the best at that right and yes he did have a jump shot and and wade famously would say i'm i'm a shot maker i'm not a shooter there
2: we go i like it the new owner in J- the jazz is galaxy brain man he brought it in wade he sees the future he's, he's red charts his piece he's a little <laughs> shorter than wade but he's got a little better handle
1: and uh but otherwise there's some similarities there for sure
2: i like it i like that So
1: who's better, the Suns or
2: the uh, Warriors? Well, the Suns did lose Booker, right? I mean, Booker didn't Yeah, I, I meant to uh, add that <laughs> in. That <laughs> was an that. important piece. I mean, they, they I got Chris off to a Paul. great start
1: in that first game anyway, and they just kind of ruined the momentum. But, um, yeah, uh, to be without Booker for a long time, they're going to be a little bit of a different team.
2: Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I do think, for me, the two biggest things and the reason I would – at least coming out of the first game when they were both, you know, they were both full strength, at least for most of the game, was obviously Aiden, like everyone's hit on it. Like he just, you know, he, he can do things to small teams that, um, that like Gobert and other centers that aren't offensively inclined can't do. He can, like, he can, he can take advantage of teams playing small. And he did that against the Clippers in the conference finals. And, the combination be able to take advantage of smaller guys on offense and being able to guard smaller guys or big guys or anybody on defense. It's just, again, why would you just not give him the max and move on with your (laughs) life? I mean, (laughs) it's just crazy. I mean, he's, he's really good and he's definitely has more work to be done. And you are paying the max sort of on with some expectation of some improvement, but not that much. Like, if he just kind of has a natural aging curve from, what is he, like 23? Like, if he has a natural, maybe even younger, if he has a natural aging curve from here, like, you're good for the max contract. It's the best time to have a guy. Like, maybe you don't give him the second contract if he doesn't keep developing his um, his offensive game. But he's he's grabbing Someone on Twitter, I think it was Nate Jones, who's also a great follow, by the way, if you want to know what Lillard's thinking, just, just like – Cause Nate Jones was like his like agent marketing guy for a long time. Just read Nate Jones Twitter feed and you will know it's a, it's a, it's a through line to Lillard's. Lillard's it's the video. best. It it's, is. It's just like <laughs>
0: he was at Goodwin
2: sports for a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's got a new venture, uh, and in shoe insoles. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, but, um, I, I think so. I think he pointed out that, and I can't after he said that, I can't look at Aiden the same way is that he sees flashes of young Ewing in Aiden just the way he like moves athletically and stuff. And like it's it's completely like absurd at one level, but it's like, man, you do see, the way his body and the way he kind of like he kind of like does the kind of like he shoots the jumpers like. You only shot a lot of jumpers, at least as he got on in his <laughs> life. like, And just the defensive, just like being so physical, again, just flashes. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was something that made me think. And then just Bridges being able to guard Curry. I mean, to your intro, D, it could just be Curry had a tough night and whatever. But to have a dude who can play the two guard and the wing on offense and guard point guards – especially when you have an offensive first point guard, which Chris Paul is at this point, like he can still play defense and he's still smart and tough and everything, but he's not the defender. He was like a decade ago. It's really like clay and Steph. It's like a guy who can guard, like he can guard the good two guards. You know, he can guard the good ones. Like he might get beat up more than clay. because he's shorter than clay by the good two guards, but in good wings, they have Booker to throw in there too, but it's, um, That was really impressive to me. I think it totally, you know, they nailed those – they they nailed the Bridges trade and pick, even though it was criticized at the time. And even though they didn't pick Doncic, you know, they didn't pick Trey Young, they picked Aiton. It's like – it's not a bad consolation prize.
0: Does it give you a lot of hope for like – I mean, would you pick right now Phoenix down the stretch compared to Golden State after watching the two games? Well,
2: look, I would pick the Suns right now, um, but because I, I, I just think the the the, the trick that the um, Golden State can small basically anybody else. Like I'm trying to think, wait, outside the Bucks, like there's, there's not many other teams they couldn't like play their style and not. Handle like I just can't think of anyone that would really there's not many teams. So I would just say the Golden State is definitely in that inner sanctum as we all know. But I, I just I just think that first game sort of exposed some of that where it's like the part you were saying about about, um, you know, why Mitchell didn't play point guard in the regular season. Why doesn't Giannis or Anthony Davis play center? I think it's like. It, it may support Kerr's view of just not wanting to play Draymond at center too much, because, but I guess he also started him on Chris Paul, so maybe that, maybe just don't have Draymond George Chris Paul next time, and that will make things well, better. Well, this is and that it, it's so interesting to
0: me. I mean, you know, to to me, what it told me was the Warriors they chickened out. They didn't go small enough, fast enough. They they basically they tried to match Looney with. Aiden and Looney just couldn't do it. I mean, in the second game, they basically just they kind of went hack Aiden to a certain degree, which is not wasn't intentional, but they were very like strategically physical with him. Whereas in the first game, they tried to kind of play Aiden straight up and Aiden just just killed them, right? Because it's not like I mean, Looney's a center, but he's like 6'9, he's not seven two. I mean, how old how tall is Aiden like 7'1 with a big wingspan? I think, too. with the, I, yeah. I mean, right? It's like
2: He's the Patrick Ewing. Bunnies. See, he's Patrick okay. Ewing. The about, turnaround, Nate that Jones was, was right.
0: Continually <laughs> having and like that first quarter, he was just lighting them on fire, and like meanwhile, you know, the sun or the, the Warriors. I mean, I mean, pool and was just going off, and and they were still only up by I think four after the first quarter, and it's just the war of attrition. So they lost, right? But and to me, it sort of proved, you know. The exception was the rule in some ways like it, it proves the fact that like if they push with everything they sort of believe in systematically that then they can they can really run even a team like phoenix you know not out of the gym but it's certainly like it, it's a it can be a successful style that travels even without necessarily having you know the seven, the traditional seven-footer to guard Aiton, right? I mean, that, your normal reaction to a, the first game would be, "Oh wow, Aiton killed us." We we need to match physicality there. And then the second <laughs> game, what it felt like more was Draymond was either guarding him or Looney was just hacking him. But regardless, they they you know they ran up and down the court as much as they could. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: like when I, when I hear you saying that, Michael. I think of I think D. You always quote Steve Nash of like. We should have gone farther. We didn't go far enough with the seven seconds or less. Sons. And I, I just picture Mike D'Antoni on the beach that Popovich will never go to, sipping a Mai Tai and just like rolling his eyes like he used to always do with bad calls on the sideline. When he saw Kerr just keep looning in for way too long, he's just like, Steve Kerr never got it. He didn't get it, but he fired me and traded Sean Marion for Shaquille O'Neal. Still doesn't get it 10, 15 years later. <laughs> It does. It, it once again exposes the,
1: uh, the, the all the Wiseman issues. You know,
2: the, uh, no, it's what, true. What they,
1: he, he's he is the guy that they would want to would have considered you know doing a better job on guarding Aiden. That he he's the guy they want Looney
0: to be now, which Looney can't be. So and it doesn't <laughs> well, seem like Well, you wonder Wiseman's if Wiseman that. comes back. I mean, this is probably what's going to make or break this season. Unfortunately, is is if Wiseman can come back and he can give them fifteen minutes a night. As as sort of a counterpunch to the bigs, you know, but can still run and jump and actually move, unlike Kevon Looney, uh, you know that obviously puts them into a different echelon. Whereas otherwise they could, they do have to always go small, and I, I think it does. It is still so dynamic. I mean, the way Jordan Poole is playing and what Curry brings to the table, you know, it's it's pretty pretty remarkable. But it is, it's still I think. You know, to have a player like Wiseman at the size and strength and length that he's at, you know, would be pretty helpful. When you talk about the teams like Phoenix or, you know, Milwaukee that again have a two-way sort of big man that that can kind of be a pressure point for everything that Golden State is trying to do, but it is, you know, I think the other thing that did strike me is just how. I mean, it's so classically Golden State, but how careless they are with the with the ball. I mean, it, it just. talking about loose handle. I mean, yeah. it's kind of. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, Juan Toscano Anderson, I thought was going to get sent back to the G League. He had five turnovers in 12 minutes. I mean, it was like. It, it was. It's something that would almost be hard to do if you were trying. And meanwhile, it's like every time he touched the ball, it was a turnover.
1: Is that why sometimes Poole doesn't get the minutes that maybe he should do? I know, like, overall for the season, he's playing a lot, but, like, the other night he was like six for six in the first half and he ended up only playing like 22 minutes a game. And he, he he's got the, he's got some curry in him, a uh, little bit of the shot making ability, but uh, the loose <laughs> the lack of discipline controlling the ball is a real thing. I don't. But Kerr always talking about the turnovers guys, less turnovers. He's he's trying to preach it. They're not listening. He needs to find another way to get through to them because uh I mean, Curry's had this problem his, his whole career, and it's kind of like, oh, we just, it's just part of the deal. Like, you know, he's I mean, going to he make great behind, passes, so he's going to make bad I mean, passes. He threw a
0: behind the back pass out of bounds in, the NBA, in game seven of yeah, the NBA that Finals. That should have been so, I mean, a turning like,
1: point. <laughs> uh,
2: and, and uh, see the light stuff. Well, we've talked about the Warriors for this long, and we're not even talking about Klay Thompson coming back and being the other guy. I mean, that's what the, the, the difference will be you can take Looney out. And play Draymond at center, and you know you can go pool, um, Wiggins, Steph, and Clay. I mean that's a different that's closer to like the the death lineup or the you know the
0: coma lineup.
2: Yeah, the the lineup for the the the, uh, the lineup that recruited Durant or whatever. You know, <laughs> uh, it it's like the lineup of death with you add someone, it's not the same when it's like auto Porter or something like that. And I think that was the other piece of the Phoenix game that they were rolling early hitting threes, playing their style. Um, and then Phoenix tightened the screws and they just don't have any, they just, they just don't, they have staff, man. That's all they have. They have staff and pool. And that's why pool needs to play more because he's the only guy who can create anything. Um, Obviously, Draymond, you could play off him and do the two-man game and stuff. But it's just, it got really ugly, really fast um, in that first game. But to your point, it's like they 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 figured out what they need to do with Aiton, and, and I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think about Milwaukee? I mean, they're obviously coming with the Thunder now. They're they're back. They're focused. They're going. Uh, you know, Ben Thompson was talking a lot of trash about. How you know it's going to be bucks and four no matter who they face from Phoenix or Golden State because like who's going to guard Giannis like Golden State's going to have no I mean how are they going to deal with Milwaukee like what's the strategy there because you can't <laughs> I mean, Draymond
0: Green man I'm a, I'm like I bought all the Draymond stock like twelve months ago when he seemingly didn't give a shit about playing basketball anymore and like that guy is amazing I mean I just it gives him a fighting chance defensively at this point. And then they have young Kawhi, obviously, I mean, <laughs> getting seasoned in the G League. <laughs> no, the the, I mean, some of the statistics. If you look at the Bucks' performance to date, where they have like their team, like their real team, it's it. I mean, I think at, at least as of like like the middle of last week, they were undefeated when they had their big three. Right yeah. when they had Middleton and Holiday and Giannis, right? And it's like Giannis is everything we thought he was gonna be, um, coming. I think coming into the year, and it's just you kind of want you are you are wondering like, is is the championship they won last year where Giannis sort of midway through the playoffs that 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 net series he sort of unlocked the matrix and sort of turned a corner, including like breaking his his shredding his knee and getting up afterwards. Like, did, did that, is that actually the, the, and not unlike the Warriors first title where you kind of go, oh, that was a, that was a cute little run. Like that was fun that they, that Steph got one. And then all of a sudden they like turned into this juggernaut and obviously they added Kevin Durant. So it sort of changes the narrative, but you kind of wonder like if, if it is bucks in four, is, you know, is this the beginning of something just because how dominant Giannis is both on both, both ends of the floor.
2: Well, he's definitely like I feel like Giannis is getting. He has sort of the Jordan thing where like he can be kind of hurt and not really be like his full self, but he still like goes out and scores thirty, and just like and like still has a great game. Like I feel like when you always have a great game, even when you're not like fully there and fully at your best, it's just incredible. And and I and I also think the fact that their big three are all big for their positions. Like, Drew Holiday is a big league guard. Like, he is incredibly physical, as we know, as all the Portland fans know uh, from a few years back. He can manhandle, like, you know, smaller guards. Um, Obviously, Giannis. um, But also Middleton. And Middleton, as a swing player, is, like, he's tall and he shoots up high. And he has the Nowitzki, like, I think even tonight, like, he seeing a clip like he he just he got a switch he got to the nail he just went to work and just got a little space hit a jumper right in the guy's face like they they just have bigger dudes it's like Paul George like when you have guys that are equivalent and one's bigger the one that's bigger is going to do better so um I, I would be concerned obviously Lopez's injury um the fact that they didn't resign um they didn't get they didn't kind of Go back and run back with this. The whole group is is definitely like the depth's is an issue, and kind of who goes out there with them, and can they get away with that again this year? Like with with, well, no, with no Tucker, yeah, I mean.
0: yeah. I mean, no Tucker, right? Divincenzo hasn't come back yet. I mean, there's a lot of Bobby Portis right now, which again it was really a great great story. I mean, we need a reality TV show with Bobby with Bobby Portis in our lives, but you know, there's a lot of him, right? Well, I mean, a lot of what they did with Lopez in the playoffs was situational, but when when it was the right situation, he played a lot, right? And I mean, No, he's good he's good. I mean I mean there's implications he might not come back this year. Yeah, you know I mean? no. It's he a back surgery. Yeah, it's a bad you know, anytime you're seeing a seven an older seven footer having back surgery, you kind of yeah, wonder. It's not
2: good. Well, cause he had the thing where he could he obviously developed the three point shot, but he could still like he may, could can make you pay if you like put a little guy on him. He can go in and do some stuff still in the post. And then he's obviously a great room protector. So it's a huge loss for them. And it's weird that they didn't get, I think part of it was because of like, they, they didn't resign PJ Tucker. They're, they're taking, they're trying not to spend too much money, but they didn't really get any kind of buyout. They, they didn't get guys cutting rings coming to kind of supplement Giannis. I mean, that's what I tell NBA guys. Milwaukee's a great town. You could enjoy it for a year. Go with a long playoff run, maybe get a ring, hang with Giannis. You know, what did Giannis discover recently? Was it like slushies or something, or no, no <laughs> Oreos or something? Like, what did he discover? He started eating all the time. <laughs> so, um, it's a, oh. it's it's fun. It's a fun place to be. Join him at the dead. Join him after the deadline if you can. Are you
0: saying Grayson Allen isn't chasing a ring in Milwaukee? <laughs> Grace,
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's shooting, he shoots, he's doing stuff for them. I just, it just gets, they're, they're relying so much on, you know, Pat Continent and like, they just, they just don't, you just, I understand a couple more guys, but I mean, that's, a, that's an issue across the board, right? I mean, that's the issue the Lakers have. That's the issue the Nets have. It's just, it's hard to have the lead guys and still have the death behind them.
0: Well, that's I mean, it is going to be pretty interesting. I mean, you're going to have a Bucks you're we're going to have a Bucks series with a lot a lot of Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen playing playing some serious minutes. Um, you know.
2: And if they hit, if they hit, say, if they hit op, an open three at a 35% clip, they'll be fine. I mean, that's all they need to do. And like exactly. And and like follow a defensive strategy. That's all they need. But, yeah. I, I I really hope. I mean, I'm I'm Team Wiseman. I hope he comes back. I hope he starts with the 12 minutes a night, (laughs) playing pick and roll with Pool, and just they just tell him like, set a pick, either fade for a three or go dunk it. Like, keep it simple, kiss. Keep it simple. I mean, no one's stupid, but just keep it simple. And defensively, it's just like B71 and athletic. Just do your thing, man. (laughs) You know, it's like, and tell Draymond to chill out on the bench from screaming at the kid. Let him, let him, let him make some mistakes. That's how we all learn. That's what you want to do is you uh, Kerr
1: should say do what I did. When I punched Jordan in in <laughs> practice, that was a turning point for me. Uh, that was when I arrived in the league. So come, don't punch him too hard, but just give, you know, give a little what? little shot to the, Draymond. Uh,
0: the the problem is if Wiseman tries to punch Draymond, he might miss. Oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: oh man. Nice.
1: Well, on that note, uh our apologies to who is tonight's guest? Uh, Kavon Looney. Uh, it <laughs> feels like he's an afterthought now. So He was
0: busy in Westwood. Yeah. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3D Love NBA podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast, it's a triumph of the human spirit.